Hello. Hey, Jake. Josh, what's up, man? What's up? Had another question for you. What you got? So looking back at your jujitsu career, all the good times, all the bad times, when was like the most, when was like the best time in terms of flow, learning, fun, enjoyment? I just think about some basketball players, like one night, they just have that night, you know, where like they just keep making every basket and they're like on fire. For you, what was the time when you had like the longest sustained that that fire and flow and improvement of fun? And then um, let's try to dissect why. It's, very, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Um, okay, yeah. Let's see if we can get to the bottom of this. Um, <laughs> My initial thought um, would be like when you like broke it down to a lot of categories, right? So like flow, improvement, this, that. I think there's probably going to be a different time period for a lot of those um, different like, you know, specific categories. Mm -hmm. Um, But just as far as like the first time where I actually felt like I was good. was which i mean it's not true like it still suck but like you feel <laughs> like you're good um was when like i actually started to develop this like attack sequence um that i was getting like good people in consistently um and it was the first time i tapped my first instructor actually was with this Whoa. um sequence and then he had me teach it to class next day um but uh yeah it's basically like i never do this now really um but uh it's called, uh, I've heard it called like the ghost escape, um, where you're like in the bottom of side control and, uh, like your near side arm, instead of like framing on the hip, like it normally does, it shoots all the way under. Mm-hmm. Oh, under the hip, under the hip. Yeah. And it okay. kind of like, you can connect it to their like South hip, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you can go like up towards their armpit on the bottom side. Okay. Um, and you use that to kind of like shuck yourself down and then slide out the bottom. Yeah. And you can go right to a darse from there. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, I was just like doing that to everyone. And I have cauliflower ear now because of it. But like, that was like, because <laughs> like, especially in the gi, when you're like trying to shuck yourself out the bottom, like there's a lot of like friction on your ears and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. I would say like in that, period i felt like i could you know pretty much like do jujitsu if that makes sense like i felt like i uh could chain a little sequence together to set that attack up and i felt like i was able to be dangerous from a bad position um so even if i was like losing i could you know turn the tables pretty quickly um so that was kind of like when I, when I kind of got the first glimpse into, um, like feeling like I was decent. Yeah. Yeah. So question, how come you don't do that anymore? Was it mostly a gi thing or? No, it's, I think it's still super effective. I, um, just prefer, um, nowadays to not shoot my arm in like that because I feel like one, it's kind of like a bit risky like if it doesn't work it kind of like leads to you like holding all their weight on your chest mm-hmm. and like even if it it does work and you eventually slide out it just kind of like takes its toll a little bit on you um mm-hmm. especially against bigger people you know having to like 
just wear their weight the whole time. Gotcha. Um, so I still do it, um, but it's not my first option. It would be like, I'm trying to bring my knee in for like a standard side control escape. Mm-hmm. And then as they're like running towards my head to run away from my knee, then I take my frame arm and then I bring it underneath and I go directly to their armpit instead of their hip now. Mm. But like you're, you're connecting your knee and elbow to your, to your standard escape. Right. Yeah. And as they're running up this way, you can bring your hand underneath and go right to their armpit and you can slide out the back. Oh Much yes. Easier. Yes. Does that make okay. sense? Yep. Cause they're yep. running up that way and you're like, cool, keep running. I'm just going to come out the back door kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's the way I use it now. It's more of like, uh, backup if my initial escape doesn't work. Um, but I just think like higher percentage wise, like if I'm able to keep my frames solid, um, if you're like really good, then you're not going to be able to, to capitalize on me. Just like, I hope this works kind of thing. Like just like shug my arm down. Um, so my, my defensive posture is much stronger. I think if I don't do that as my initial response. And then two, I just think like the attacks that come off of, uh, have, have you seen the, the Donaher thing where he like from the side control escape, he goes into what they call the clamp position. Mm-hmm. No. Um, well, basically like you, there's a lot more, um, I feel like secure attacking options that you can do if your primary escape is the, the bread and butter, like connect your knee and elbow escape. If that makes gotcha. sense. Yeah. It makes um, sense. Yeah. That backdoor one, um, through the armpit, we actually, I got to learn at the the last gym I was oh, at. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Kind of using like your top of your shoulder blade. Yeah. Yeah. Sliding out. Yeah. yeah. So that, that I recognize. It's yeah. interesting that your mind immediately goes to the first time you're able to chain and escape within it immediately, like the defensive cycle immediately into an offensive cycle that was working really yeah, well. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, first month in jujitsu in Vancouver, Canada, I, I remember one moment we, I was, um, uh, uh, grappling against a blue belt and I, it was also chaining one thing. And then all of a sudden I had him in a triangle, but I couldn't finish it. I didn't know that I need to pull on the head or I could switch the arm bar with the arm. So, or yeah. And I just remember that being a huge highlight of the month. Like, whoa, like I went immediately from this to another thing. So yeah, chaining things, huh? Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that's where the flow happens too, you know? Like where you're not sure. like, I don't know, there's, it feels way better. It feels more like jujitsu Um, If it's like, instead of like you go for one move and you just kind of like run through a wall to get it to work kind of right. thing versus <laughs> like, you just kind of like, go right into the follow-up move without yeah, like immediately too. It's yeah. Just like, wow. And it feels just so like smooth and um, yeah. Like jujitsu. You know, yeah. Like that's, it's good. Like that. That's a good flow. So that was huh, interesting. Is there, is how, uh, how long into jujitsu were you until you found that sequence? And then how long? Uh, it was like right when I got my blue belt. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the f- first all year of like, or the years of white belt never yeah, really like felt a, like. It was like a year and eight months. Okay. And yeah, I felt, I, fe- I feel like I joined a school. I, I have like a kind of a weird situation. Cause I joined a school where um, 
it was like kind of a brand new school. So there was a lot of new people and I was like very dedicated. So initially I like separated myself from the the pack, but there were a few people that kind of followed the instructor over who were purple belts and blue belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so like these people would smash me and the instructor would smash me, but like against most of the other white belts, I was able to do like, if I wanted to do a move, I could kind of like do the move, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think that the chaining, there's something about the chaining thing. Cause I'd never felt like good in the sense that like, I felt like I'm doing this to you because you suck. Right. Does that make sense? Right. I'm yeah. not doing it to you because I'm good. I'm doing it to you because you don't know what to do. Right. right. You know, whereas like, when you start chaining stuff together, it's like when you set a trap for someone and they like fall into it, it's like an amazing feeling for some reason. Uh, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, that reminds me recently uh, my at my next gym I went to in Boise where um, our instructor, Brad, he he's on the cover of this podcast uh, album art. He's the one right, choking yeah. me out. But yeah, he uh, it was showing me how like um, – when I'm in Mount, cause I didn't have any finishes for Mount. Like, I don't know if my wrists are too weak to do the American or something like that, but I keep trying. It wasn't worth. And then, um, he showed me if they, if they start to go onto their side to just slide your knee up and then tr- roll, like roll over to take their back instead. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that sequence of like, I would get to the Mount and I would almost bait them to like, I would kind of lean over and put one leg up to like, Hey, right. why don't you turn over to this side over here? <laughs> and then boom, take their back. Yeah. But, yeah. Huh. How much of a focus is chaining techniques in people's training? Do you think that's like a pretty underutilized way of thinking about their jujitsu? You know, I think, um, I think nowadays it's starting to become more of a thing. Um, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think like with newer training philosophies, like, um, the designated winner thing we talked about, mm-hmm. I think it kind of encourages you to not be like dead set on one technique, but be dead set on a goal. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, like I'm, I'm making this video now, so it's fresh in my mind, but like, if my goal is to get to chest to chest half guard, there's going to be a thousand different ways for me to get there. And if I'm focused on like one technique to get me there, I'm probably going to run into a lot of resistance with that one technique. But if I'm focused on getting to chest to chest half guard, then like when the resistance comes, I kind of have like my North star that I'm going to. Right. And I think you'll you'll find that there's a lot of different ways to get there. And as long as you're just like have direction behind your movement, you're going to find ways to get there, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and then you'll try and like re-engineer and be like, how the heck did that even happen? So that you can like duplicate the system. And that's where things like the designated winner thing are very helpful because it can basically like give you real resistance but not in a sparring situation. So it kind of takes the competitive mm-hmm. nature out of it. And it gives you the ability to be like, okay, I'm like getting messed up here and at least ask a like good question, you know, about yeah. like, how do I deal with this resistance to get me to my North star, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think, uh, I think chaining things together comes down to knowing what your goal is as opposed to trying to do a specific technique. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And also makes me think of like a, it's like a chess way of thinking. Like if I make this move, what are the possible responses? And then what are my responses to each branch in that tree? Uh, was there, is there any other time in your jujitsu career where you were like, had a few weeks or a few months or breakthroughs where you were like, wow, this was like a great peak performing peak learning time. I think um, it's kind of ironic. Cause like, I guess when you're like doing good, I never felt like amazing. If that makes sense. But like, I, I keep going back to this. I'm sure I've mentioned it many times, but like when you just get the crap kicked out of you and like, it for me at least when i visited like another school um and just got beat up it just kind of like reignited the fire a little bit and it's like there is so much more to learn that i don't know you know yeah. like when you're kind of in your own little bubble it's like yeah i'm good like i know jujitsu it's like dude you don't know anything like there's so much more to learn right um so yeah i think um that was the the time where i was like i felt like i was like plateauing and that like yeah like lit a fire under me too interesting yeah so it was wow it was getting your ass handed to you that kind of helped you break through a plateau like whoa there's the the was it the mental engagement like oh my gosh there's so much more to learn like or was it more of a competitive like dang like i can't believe i got beat so bad it's a little bit of both for sure like you definitely have (laughs) ego you know like it's like Dude, I got tapped like 15 times tonight. Like, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's definitely that part of it. Um, but I think, you know, like at that point, you kind of have a decision to make. Like, if you really have a huge ego, you would say the easy decision is like, cool, I'll never come back to this gym again. I'll go back to my other school where I can just beat the crap out of everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. But if like that is your primary source, that's what you would do, obviously. But if it's not your primary source that that drives you, I think you'll, you know, pursue that knowledge, even though it's going to hurt your ego a little bit, at least for um, the initial switch you know yeah um so yeah i think it's definitely a mixture of the two but i think the knowledge thing won because i ended up switching schools um whereas if i didn't switch schools i feel like the ego thing would have won if that makes sense right yeah it makes sense it's like the josh waitskin investing in loss principle from his book i don't remember that i think it was something like kind of like working on your weaknesses knowing that in the short term you may lose a lot of these exchanges but in the end it'll you'll it'll help you understand a little bit better right if you can go back anytime in your career to like give you a at your own yourself advice to like find your flow again or find that excitement what would you what advice would you have given yourself yeah i guess um just kind of like sticking with that same theme is like I didn't, I didn't like compete really. And I just definitely was in like my own little bubble, you know? Um, so I guess like the advice would be don't be in a bubble, you know, like, mm. um, 
yeah, like have new ideas coming from a lot of different sources um, instead of just having like one source of information um, for, for your ideas, you know? Um, Yeah. I think that's the, the general advice I would give. So basically like, yeah, study on your own as opposed to like, I'm going to go to jujitsu to learn um, the one technique tonight kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. Huh. I wonder if that's like a good um, tip for anyone in a rut or in a plateau, like to go visit another open gym and just like see the difference, be exposed to like different styles. and. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you planned this, but um, this is like, we were talking to talk about competitions as well. And I feel like this is like a perfect segue into it, but um, I don't know if we want to like save it for another call or or what, but um, yeah. uh, Like, Owen, Owen Flanagan, the guy from London, who I always talk about and I'm in love with. <laughs> um, he talks about how, like, when he's in a rut, like, signing up for a competition is a good way to, like, give you some sort of intention behind, like, your training. Um, but at the same time, like, signing up for a competition every week, you're not going to get better. Like, you're training to win that competition. You're not training your weaknesses to, like, develop new skills, you know? Right. So basically he, he said like, yeah, competitions are great for like lighting a fire every under you every once in a while. But like, for the most part, if you're looking to like test yourself amongst other, like, you know, local competition or whatever, just go to open mats and like Mm. roll with people. Yeah. It's like a way easier way to do it. You don't have to cut weight and like do like a whole ordeal that goes into competitions. Right. Um, you don't have to pay $125 or whatever the initiation fee is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, if you lose, who cares, you know, but like, that's a way to, to test yourself. Um, and ultimately you get way more roles at an open mat than you would in a tournament. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, um, just to, to like circle it back, like a good way to like light a fire into you. If you're, if you're in a rut would be to, sign up for a competition. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like back in the day when I was really into marathon running, like just having a race booked for a date was so right. motivating to, to keep up the training and whatnot. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, so let's dive deeper into the competition topic on the next episode. This could be a perfect teaser. It's like the end of those, you know, like Netflix episodes, like the end gives you that cliffhanger for the next one and then counts down to five and you just, you just don't touch the remote and let the next yeah. episode play. Exactly. Are you still watching? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah, this was a good one. I hope I hope it helps people find their flow and if they're in a rut, some ideas to take it out. Cool. Thanks for the question. That was a good one. Thanks. Yeah. See ya. All right, later.